Shalom and welcome to the podcast of Crucified Life Ministries. For more information, you can visit us on the web at www.crucifiedlifemen.com. I tasted fire, I'm ready to come alive. I can't just shut it up and fake that I'm alright. I'm ready now, I'm not waiting for the Blessings to you guys. It's Joel Sanchez, the founder and director of Crucified Life Ministries, and this is our second podcast. And today we're going to be looking at the term justice and righteousness. And again, these are very short podcasts. They're not brief or super detailed, and there's lots of other information out there uh, about social justice or justice and righteousness, equity, and, and, and these these terms that we've been talking about. But for this week's podcast, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. And we're going to start with Genesis chapter 18, verses 19. And this is where we actually have the first mention of Yahweh's social justice. No, social justice wasn't brought about by Obama. Um, excuse me, I mean Obama. Uh, it was brought about by the most sovereign of the universe, the Almighty, Yahweh, the God of Israel, Elohim, you know, whatever title, whatever name you want to, uh, to give him. So we see in Genesis 18, 19, uh, is the first mention of social justice. And it says, For I have chosen him, Yahweh is speaking here about Abraham, for I have chosen him in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Yahweh by doing. Notice it didn't say by saying. So I have commanded him or in order that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Yahweh by doing, that's an action word, righteousness and justice, in order that Yahweh may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So here we see Abraham keeping the way of Elohim by doing righteousness and justice. So if Abraham was the father of our faith and he was quote-unquote chosen by the God of Israel due to his faith in the God of Israel... I believe it's very imperative that we pay close attention to him and his actions. So, uh, let's start out by noting that Abraham was charged or commanded by the God of Israel to teach by doing. So, what is justice? What is righteousness? In, in our modern culture, justice is about being guilty or innocent. It has more of a judicial uh, perspective or judicial aspect. And there is truth to that because justice deals with a law or a law being uh, upheld. But... 
justice isn't always about a form of punishment. And that's what I want to focus on this podcast today. So unfortunately, in, in, in today's world, justice has been extremely corrupted. The, not just the word, but, but how it's portrayed, how it's actually fulfilled or, or walked out. Many of those who, quote-unquote, administer justice uh, have been bought and, and paid for. And, and when you're bought and paid for, this is the ultimate corruption. This is corruption to the core. And it causes everything else to decompose and rotten. This is why I believe our society is totally breaking down and falling apart all around us. It's because there is no true justice. And justice, she's become corrupt to the core. You know, the, the attitude now about justice is if, if you have money, no, no worries. You're untouchable and, and, and you live above the law because you can throw around a few bones, you know, on the side. Just one example. Think about the Clintons. Not trying to make this political, but, you know, everybody knows that the Clintons are corrupt to the core. I mean, even look at what's happening to, to um, Brett Kavanaugh right now. Is that justice? I'll let you be the judge for that. But the Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. That's a very interesting word. Uh, and it can mean decision, judgment, dispute, a case, a claim, measure, law, statute and ordinance. It's it's a very important word but yet very misunderstood uh, when we when we read it in the Bible because a lot of times, you know, number one when we read our Bibles, we take our logically thinking brain, we take it out and set it on the nightstand or set it um you know, wherever, on the coffee table, and we grab our religious denominational or quote-unquote non-denominational or whatever group or movement uh, that you're a part of, we take that brain and we put it in and then we try to read scriptures. And we're, we make a lot of mistakes when we, when we do that. We're, it's, uh, it's very biased, if you will, when, when we do that. And a lot of times it, we also are, are looking at the scriptures as if um, Yeshua and Yahweh were walking around in, in the counties in which we live or walked around in America and, and, you know, and have Western standards uh, or something like that. And we, we make grave errors when we, when we think like that. But our culture has conditioned us to religiously think that the word justice means God's wrath on the wicked, you know, on those sinners that you read about. But to the contrary, justice was established in many societies and communities uh, to keep individuals from being oppressed. So in order to fully understand what justice means, uh, 
One has to view the scriptures as a legal document instead of a religious document or religious dogma. Because when we, when, when, when we look at it as a legal document, it's binding. It's something that, that can't be changed. It's something that is, quote-unquote, written in stone. But when we look at it as a religious document or, or dogma, then it's up for interpretation as to how we feel or how we see it or how we believe or what we believe it means. So, for example, in the ancient Near East, the, the people and culture viewed justice impossible if it be separate from the law. Let, let me say that again. In the ancient Near East, the people and the culture viewed justice impossible if separate from the law. In other words, in the ancient Near East, the word of the king, i.e. lawgiver, was directly related to divine justice. Because when a king proclaimed something, it wasn't taken uh, as a... Uh, excuse me, when a king proclaimed something, it was taken as a righteous and just decree, proclamation, or law. The king's proclamation wasn't looked at as something religious and up for interpretation based on one, how a person felt or how a person interpreted what the king was saying. Now, we looked at equity in our first podcast, but in the ancient Near East, the establishment of social equity meant that the status of the poor and weak in society was improved through regulations that stopped oppression. In other words, to do justice and righteousness, again, to do, not just to say or talk about it, but to do justice and righteousness, one must act on behalf of the poor and oppressed. This is what Yahweh did when he brought Israelites and non-Israelites out of bondage and slavery of Egypt. And when he gave them one law, i.e., his constitution at Mount Sinai, commanding them to have one law for the foreigner and natural born. One law for the Israelite and one same law for the non-Israelite. You can see Exodus 12.49, Leviticus 19.34, Leviticus 24.22, Numbers 15.16 for that scripture. True equity and justice, uh, true equity with justice and righteousness as its rudder, in other words. So, what was it that Yeshua's ministry did while he walked the earth? 
Because, you know, I know there's some that'll probably listen to this. Well, you're over there and all that Old Testament stuff, brother. And, you know, you need to get out of the old and get in the new. Okay, that's, uh, that's fair. So what was it that Yeshua's ministry did while he walked the earth and still continues to this day? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. Yeshua is, is quoting the, the prophet in Isaiah, <clears throat> Excuse me, but he says, The Spirit of Yahweh is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of Elohim's favor. Interesting. In other words, Yeshua returns and proclaims freedom and liberty to all those who have been oppressed, bound, and held captive. So how does he accomplish that? Well, when you study the ancient Near East, you begin to see uh, something that is very interesting. So Yeshua is the one who is sent who proclaims the message, i.e. the constitution or words or proclamation of the king of the universe. Yeshua is what's called the royal messenger of the king. He is the one sent to be the right hand of the king or the one to go in the place of the king and make the king's decree. The mouthpiece of the king, if you will, who only does and says what is laid out in the constitution of the God of Israel. Remember Yeshua saying a lot of times when he people would, you know, try to contradict him or try to trap him or even the enemy would come to him offering offering him uh, uh things. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeshua would reply, "It is written." Why? Because he was bound and he could only quote from the constitution of the God of Israel. He's quoting the rule of law established by the most equitable sovereign king there is of all times. And that's the creator of the universe. In John chapter 12, 44 through 50, it gives us a great example of this. The royal messenger or the mouthpiece of Yahweh. Then Yeshua cried aloud, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in darkness. I do not judge anyone who hears the words and does not keep them. <clears throat> I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. On the last day, the word that I have spoken will serve as judge. 
For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. I'll interject there, i.e. words in the Constitution about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father told me. Guys, there's so much more on this subject. And if you read Isaiah and Amos and, and Micah, just a, <clears throat> excuse me, just to name a few uh, of the prophets, you'll find that justice and righteousness isn't always about a judicial ruling. You'll find that it's about how individuals treated one another. And boy, do we need that today. More in the church and more in, 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 in whatever movement you, 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 uh, you're under. We need that more today than ever before. Many rebukes have gone forth from the books of the prophets, not because of a judicial uh, process, but because of, of the oppression perpetrated by the ruling elite class, uh, cat class and corrupted, powerful, rich people. The same exact thing is going on today, guys. I'm of the opinion that it's mainly due to uh, to uh, us as, as believers straying away from the constitution of the God of Israel and not fully obeying and being true followers and disciples of Yeshua the Messiah. In Psalms 119 verse 142 it tells us your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And your law, i.e. the constitution of the God of Israel, for those who want to be citizens of the kingdom of God, and your law is the truth. So guys, do you want to walk in the way of Elohim? Like Abraham did? like the disciples did, like Paul did, like many of the prophets did, then do, not just talk about, but do acts of justice and righteousness instead of just talking about it. Do you want to be a good citizen of the kingdom of God of Israel? Then walk out his constitution by helping those who have been oppressed by doing the weightier matters of the constitution of the God of Israel. And those weightier matters are found in Matthew 23, 23. Those weightier matters are called judgment or justice, mishpat, mercy, and faith. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. For more information, you can visit us on the web at www.crucifiedlifemen.com. That's www.crucifiedlifemin.com. Until next time, blessings.